you can turn in your Bibles to the uh, book of Jonah. I'd like to continue with another minor prophet this morning and looking at a, a very familiar one, probably one that everybody has heard, and uh, it's included in every Bible schools, and it's a very familiar story because it's, I believe, a, a very amazing story. Jonah was called to preach to Nineveh. He was disobedient, ran away, swallowed up by a big fish, in the belly for three days and three nights. Then he was willing to go, and the entire city repented. And then in the last chapter, we see his prejudiced attitude coming out. He just couldn't hack seeing his enemies experiencing God's mercy. So it's quite a story, and I believe the overarching message this morning is the mercy of God the mercy of God. It's a tremendous, we see God's tremendous love for all people, not just Israel, but for all people. Now there's critics that would say that this couldn't be true. This story couldn't be true. A man swallowed up by a fish. But you know, Jesus in the New Testament quotes Jonah. He compares himself to Jonah. So this story, I believe, apart from that, is true, but Jesus makes it true because he wouldn't uh, tell a lie. So this is, Jonah is the only one that Jesus compares himself to, and we think of him as a type of Christ. So Jonah is an actual prophet. He uh, was called to a specific place, and that is Nineveh, and if we had time, we could go back look at background uh, 1 Kings 14, we see Jonah prophesied to Israel. He was from the northern kingdom. He would have been a, probably a contemporary with Amos and Hosea. But this was a time when the Assyrian Empire was enlarging, growing. It was on the rise. And they, were opposed, they posed a threat to Israel. And this would have approximately been 30 years or give or take ahead of the uh, northern kingdom's Captivity. So we could say, you know, what, so what is the book of Jonah about? When we think about the overall book of Jonah, we want to try to get through all four chapters this morning, but it's not simply just a fish, a great fish story that it is included, but we see that mentioned four times. You know, it's not about, it's not just about the, a great city, that's mentioned nine times. It's not all about just the disobedient prophet. That's mentioned, he's mentioned 18 times. But it's about God. God is mentioned here over 30 times in these four chapters. And I think if we would take God out of this story, we wouldn't have much left. We're going to see God as sovereign. We're going to see his sovereign hand in this story. We're going to see but Jonah, then God, then God. So God is in control. This book here is, is, is a, one of the minor prophets. Minor prophets are called minor prophets not because they're unimportant, because they're shorter. And, uh, but this one is different from the rest in that it's a story about the prophet. It's not so much about his message. We're going to see his message was very short. But it's about the prophet, what he did do and what he didn't do. And it's sort of an embarrassing story for Jonah to write, thinking about Jonah would, at the, uh, at, at the, he, he, he wrote it down. He wrote it down. Uh, he wrote down about his disobedience. 
But, you know, God saw it fit to be in the scripture, and we have it today, and there's so much we can learn from it. Also, Jonah, there's a, uh, Jonah's, uh, like there's a, Jonah's part one, there's a sequel to Jonah, and that is Nahum. Nahum was uh, prophesying to Nineveh as well, and about 150 years later, and I did preach a message on that a while back, actually, Faith had assigned that uh, topic to me, and I had enjoyed that study and decided to look, work through the, the minor prophets here. But jo- uh, Nahum is a, uh, the, uh, it tells us about his, the destruction of Nineveh. We're going to see in our story today how they repented. Beautiful story of repentance, a whole city. But unfortunately, that repentance didn't, didn't last long, and there was, God did send Nahum the prophet with their final blow saying you're finished you're done and destruction did come they were overthrown by the Babylons now Jonah has uh, four chapters here we want to try to get through them the first chapter could be called the disobedience second chapter is his repentance the third chapter is is his obedience and then the fourth chapter would be uh, his attitude adjustment so God gave him an attitude adjustment. He had a sort of a rotten attitude, and God gave him an object lesson that changed him, I believe. And then lastly, if we have time, we're going to look at Jesus. When he, Jesus uh, quoted uh, Jonah and said, the sign of Jonah, and we find that in Matthew. We're going to look at that. So I'd like to get right in. So we're going to spend more time on chapter 1 and less time maybe in chapter 2 and 3, and then I'd like to spend uh, a, lot, a good bit of time in chapter 4 looking at uh, Jonah's attitude problem there. So in verse 1 it says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee, from Tar- flee unto Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord, he went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish, and he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it, and to, to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the, 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 but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid, and they cried every man unto his God, and cast the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest this thou, O sleeper? Arise, call unto thy God. If so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said, Every one to his fellow, Come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thy occupation? Whence comest thou from? What is thy country? And what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid, and they said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought 
for the sea wrought with and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sakes this tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to land, but they could not, for the sea was wrought and was contemptuous against them. Wherefore, they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not, this, lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And I'll read verse 1 yet of chapter 2. It says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. Quite a story. Quite a story. Well, the word, the, it, uh, in, in verse 2 it says, Arise and go to Nineveh. You know, Jonah got a call. He was a prophet and he heard God's voice and God was telling him to go. To go to Nineveh, that great city. God calls Nineveh a great city. And... Uh, it was. It was one of the largest cities, or the largest city at that time. Uh, we estimated maybe 500,000 or, or plus, maybe more people than that. You know, uh, in chapter 4, we'll see that uh, God says there's uh, 120,000 there that don't know their left hand from their right hand, and that's probably referring to children. So the children, uh, there's 120,000 children, so that gives us approximate size of the city. It was a large city. It would have had 100 foot walls around this, the, the three mile inner city had 100 foot uh, uh, walls around it, 100 feet high, and towers above that 100 feet. So it was a great city. It was a moat around it, and it was the outskirts or beyond went 60 miles from one end to the other. So this was a, a large, a large city, and God calls it great. In verse 2, it says, that the, their wickedness has come up to me. God says to Jonah, their wickedness has come up to me. And that's all it says about it. But we learn more when we go to Nahum. It says there that uh, Nahum describes their wickedness. They were a bloody city. They were full of uh, lies and robberies. And, and they had, there was immorality and, and, uh, and uh, witchcraft and pride and self-security. And you know, Jonah was told to arise and go and cry against it. And, uh, and we know the story. <clears throat> Jonah didn't want to go. Jonah didn't want to go. Jonah ran away from the call in rebellion. In verse 3, it says, but Jonah. But Jonah ran away. He went down to the port there at Joppa, and he found a ship that was ready to go to Tarshish. So he, was, he paid the fare. And you know we can think about we can see that this running from God is is uh, it, it cost him something. It cost him something. It cost him fare. He paid the fare to go there. So when we're out of God's will, it can get expensive. You know, it would have been a lot cheaper for him to follow God's leading. So he boarded this ship to Tarshish, and that was 
the farthest you could go the opposite way in Europe at that time, Spain. Uh, he, 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 he was running, running from God. He made a deliberate decision not to go to Nineveh as God told him. And, you know, you could think he could say in himself, you know, well, the ship was there at the right time and I had the money to pay for this. You know, it had to be that didn't make it right. That didn't make it right. He was fleeing from the presence of God. Now, imagine he was familiar with Scripture, but he forgot Psalms 139 where it says, Where, Whither shall I go from thy spirit or whither shall I fl flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell... Thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell on the othermost parts of the sea, even there thy hand shall lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. So he was fleeing the presence of God. It just, it's, imagine a prophet of the Lord running from the Lord's call. But I believe what Jonah was saying is, you know, I, I quit. I'm giving up. I'm not going to Nineveh. He was he purposed in his heart not to go to Nineveh. Now, I believe there's others, we can see, you know, Moses didn't want to go at first, then he went. Anyway, Jeremiah, Elijah, they felt like quitting. So, but uh, it, it warrants the question, why did Jonah want to run away? Why, why didn't he want to go to Nineveh? Well, I believe there's a couple reasons. One comes from chapter 4, but first of all, I believe that Nineveh was a... Uh, that he feared the Ninevites. I believe it wasn't, they were their worst enemy. It possibly wasn't safe for him to go. He possibly wouldn't come back alive. You know, they were very cruel in their war practices. You know, uh, Nahum calls them, God says these are a bloody city. So, you know, and he was called to go. I believe when Nahum gave the message to, to Nineveh at the end there, I don't know that it says that he was called to go, but Jonah was told to go in, into the city. And so it, it probably wasn't safe. The possibility of him coming back would have been, uh, com coming back alive would have been slim. So I believe he was afraid. And number two, I believe we uh, get another answer in chapter four. We'll get to that. But he was prejudiced towards the Ninevites. He, uh, he couldn't rejoice in the salvation of the Ninevites. He couldn't rejoice in the salvation of sinners, his enemies. He wanted to see them destroyed. It was a bad attitude for a prophet. He just couldn't stand to see God's mercy extended to the people of Nineveh. And they were, uh, he says in chapter 4, he knew God is merciful. He knew he would let them off. So I'm uh, getting ahead here. But so he saw he, he was prejudiced and he feared them. They were a, a fierce people. But it says, okay, so he's on a boat now. He's, uh, he boarded this boat. He's out in the water. And it says in verse 4, but the Lord. But the Lord uh, sent a great wind. Here we see God is pursuing Jonah. You know, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. He's, he's, he's chasing. The Lord is, at, is following Jonah. He's, he's, uh, he loves him, and he's going to chasten him. And we see here God's mercy is extended towards Jonah. You know, he could have set him aside and used someone else, but no, he gave him a second chance. And God is the God of second chances and another chance. Not just a second chance. If we run from God, uh, we see he ran from God and the Lord sent a storm. And I believe if we run from God, if God has something for us to do and we run from it, I believe we can expect a storm. It's God loving us. It's God calling us back. 
You know, I think we have to be careful to say things coming into our life are from Satan. God here created this storm to bring Jonah back. The Lord sent the storm. Now, in verse 4, you know, the Lord uh, sent this storm. And these professional sailors were out there. I mean, they would have saw a lot of storms. This storm was different. This was actually to the point of breaking their ship. The boards, it talks about the boards were ready to be broken. So it was, it was I'm sure the waves were very, very violent and very, uh, uh, so they were in dire straits. They were, they were at last ditch effort, they, they threw their wares overboard. They, uh, they were trying to lighten their ship, get the ship up higher so the water don't come in. And so now we see that Jonah's sin is costing these sailors their livelihood. They were throwing in the uh, merchandise off the ship, which would have been uh, quite a bit. So Jonah's sin is now affecting others. It's not just affecting him. You know, before, before it was just God and Jonah, but now his running from God is affecting other people. And when we uh, are disobedient, when we run from God or when we are in disobedience, it does affect other people. We can't, we're not islands to ourselves. We can see, we can look at the story of Achan and others. So Jonah's sin is affecting other people. And then we see in verse 5, these sailors, they cry out to their gods, little g, little g. These pagan sailors think this storm is caused by a, a god who is angry and needs to be appeased. And they're crying out to their gods. And verse uh, Verse 5, the latter part there, we find Jonah is in the bottom of the ship fast asleep. Fast asleep in this kind of a storm. Does that sound normal? Does that sound normal? You know, how could he be so comfortable? They come to him and they say, the captain of the, the ship comes and says, Oh, sleeper, arise, call on your God. Call on your God. Maybe he can save us from perishing. So, and then they, we see they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. We see that God is in control of the lot. The lot fell on Jonah. Jonah knew it was right. There's no argument. He knew it was right that the lot fell on him. And they said to him, why is this evil upon us? And then they peppered him with a bunch of questions. What's your occupation? Where did you come from? What's your country? Who are your people? And then in verse 9, he says, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which made the sea and the dry land. Now, his intentions, I believe, were to fear the Lord. But... His actions show otherwise. He was not fearing the Lord by his actions, running from the Lord. But he says, I fear the Lord I, and the, the, uh, the God of heaven. And then it says, they were exceedingly afraid. These sailors were exceedingly afraid. Imagine, Jonah says, I, am the, I serve the God of heaven that controls the sea and the dry land. And then the water comes splashing in. He serves the God who controls the sea, and they were having this uh, fierce storm out at sea, the raging sea. And then he told them that he was fleeing from the Lord. And I suspect he told them the whole story. You know, at least he didn't lie about it. He was honest about it. You know, and they said, why did you do this? Why did you do this? I mean, their wares are overboard already. Their ship's falling apart. And... Uh, and, and then they say in verse 11, what shall we do to you? What shall we do to you? And then he says, throw me overboard. Throw me overboard. 
Now here we can see he's maintaining his disobedience. He's not, a, there's no change of heart yet. He's maintaining his, throw, uh, I, what should we do? Throw me overboard, throw me overboard. Here he wants to die. And then he says, uh, he, 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 uh, he, he wants to die rather than preach. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. You know, I had to wonder, why didn't he just jump in? And why, didn't he, why didn't he just jump in? And he would have saved the sailors a lot of stress. I mean, they were hard-pressed here. So in th verse 13, he says, they tried everything else. They tried hard to row to land, and uh, they tried hard to row to land, but they couldn't. Yeah, they, and they couldn't. The, the storm was that, uh, that violent. And they're saying, you know, Jonah says, throw me overboard. Well, how could they throw a ticket-paying passenger overboard? You know, they, but they, they tried everything. And then they came to uh, crying out to Jonah's God. Look at that. It's in, uh, in, verse, uh, in verse 14. And that Lord is in, cap, in capitals. So they're crying out. Now they have come to understand who Jonah's God is. The Lord, the Lord of, of, of heaven who created the sea and the dry land. So they, uh, they pray out to Jonah's God. They cry out to him and they ask to be spared from the storm. And they also uh, asked for forgiveness because they were ready to throw him overboard and they're asking forgiveness. They said, lay not on us innocent blood for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. They recognized that this is Jonah's God was, was uh, they, they, were, they were asking for forgiveness and then they threw him overboard. And it says in verse 15, immediately the sea, the sea calmed immediately and then <clears throat> revival took place verse 16 Re revival took place on the ship these sailors feared the lord jehovah god and it says how they made vows and they sacrificed now, i don't know if that was when they got back to land so but we see the revival that happened on the ship so uh and i, was, I wondered you know this is the last we hear the sailors but i really wonder uh, what, you know, did they remain faithful? Will we see them in heaven? Will uh, be interesting to hear their story. But in verse 17, the story follows Jonah. And the Lord prepared a great fish in verse 17. Appointed. Uh, the prepared could be translated appointed. And we're going to see a lot of appointments that God does through these, the, uh, this story. So God caused the storm, and now he appoints a fish to swallow him up. Uh, and, and he was in the fish, the belly of the fish, three days and three nights. Now this would have had to be a great fish. The Bible says it's a great Here it says a great fish. In the New Testament where Jesus references this story, he calls it a whale. So I don't know if it was a, a whale or, or a fish. It doesn't matter. Uh, it was it was God appointed. God created something to pre he had something prepared for Jonah, and uh, as Jonah went overboard, he uh, he was swallowed up. And then in chapter two, you know, you think this is where a lot of people get hung up on this. You know, could how, is it possible? And how could somebody be alive there that long? Well, this is the miracle that God performed. And I think about it, man can make a submarine and go underwater today. Well, God can do it. He could create a fish, have a whale or whatever there, and keep him alive in the belly uh, for that. He could do that in the spur of the moment. 
and I, God, God did it and prepared, uh, saved Jonah and gave him a second chance. In chapter 2, it says that Jonah, then Jonah prayed unto the Lord, his God, out of the fish's belly. We see in chapter 2 is a prayer of repentance. Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time, but this is a very interesting uh, prayer. You know, as Jonah jumped out of the, uh, of the water, he probably didn't expect to get uh, swallowed up by a fish. He probably thought he was going to drown. And, uh, and, and you think about how long would it take a person to, how long could they swim and uh, get tired, teared out until they go under, and then when they're under, what's just a couple of minutes. But God and God's timing had that fish there and swallowed him up. And, you know, thinking about chapter 2, you know, imagine the, the, how it was in the belly of a fish. I can't imagine. You can see some pictures and storybooks, you know, of a big, huge belly and a man standing up inside. That's probably not how it was. It's probably not how it was. He describes about the weeds around his neck and, uh, and uh, around his head. And so I don't know if it was a whale. They would be uh, mammals. They would have a temperature of 98.6 like us. If it's a great fish, they take on the temperature of the water so they could go down to you know, what temperature, I don't know what it is, 50. So this was probably a very miserable time for Jonah. And, and we see in his prayer, a prayer of repentance. You could find different quotes from Psalms, that he quotes Psalms. Uh, there's a, quite a few different quotes from Psalms and we won't get into them all, but it's a cry out to God. In, of repentance it's a spontaneous prayer that's filled with scripture and uh, it's a prayer that uh, he prays and he gives thanks there's a psalm of thanksgiving and there's vows of commitment in here and I believe it's in the belly of the fish that Jonah changes his mind Jonah's heart changed he decides that he's willing to go he's he's committed to go and verse 10 it says then the Lord spake to the fish and it vomited him out on dry land. Vomited him out on dry land. Uh, you know, it doesn't say where. <clears throat> Maybe it was, uh, where do you think it was? I suspect it was right at Joppa, at the place of his disobedience. God takes us back to our place of disobedience. God's not going to take us farther in our spiritual life if we're disobedient here. So I believe he was uh, possibly uh, someplace at Joppa. Uh, doesn't say how close to the shore did he get how close to the shore was the fish when he spit him out it does say that it was on dry land so did he was he protruded out pretty far you know how a big fish how close to land can they get what how long was he airborne you know there's a lot of questions we don't know the other question I had is uh, were there people around did people see it you know Jesus talks about the sign of Jonah was you know some uh commentaries say he could have been ghostly white from all the acids in the in the belly but it you know doesn't say you know wonder god could have spit him out a, a quarter mile out and said you got to swim the rest of the way so he didn't do that but there's a lot that we don't know here but jonah's heart was changed you know uh something happened inside the belly of jonah in his heart and the the, the, the in, when he was in the fish's belly something changed what happened in chapter 2, we see his repentance comes out in chapter 3 as obedience. 
he was spit out on the ground, and we see the chapter 3 is, is, is uh, my, my Bible says, Jonah finally obeys. He, he's obedient. And then I'm going to read chapter 3. It says, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. For, for, he caused, for he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not eat nor drink water. Let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way, from the violence that is in their hand. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger and we perish not? And verse 10, and God saw their works and, and they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them and he did it not. So here we see that uh, the word came to him a second time. It's the same call. It's the same call. Arise and go. Uh, and now with Jonah, it's a different tune. He's a changed man. Jonah's heart he's, is changed. And, uh, you know, Jonah's heart needed to change. God's call didn't change. God's call didn't change. God didn't change anything to satisfy Jonah's rebellion. Jonah needed to align with God's call. Jonah aligned with God's call. We're going to still see he had an attitude, but... Uh, in verse, in verse 2, it says, go and preach what I tell you. Notice obedience comes first. Obedience comes first. Then the details. God says, go and I will bid you what to say. And so we a lot of times want the details. And then, okay, I'll, then I'll decide if I'll go or not. How, what, what's this going to be like? No, this is God's way is obeying. And then the details come. God gives the details after obey. He wants us to walk by faith. And not by sight. So now Nineveh would have been about oh, at least 600 miles from Joppa. We don't know where he was uh, deposited. So, but it, it was a good. It's more than three days' journey. So I believe the uh, the three days' journey talks about his how long it would take to walk through Nineveh. So Jonah walks through Nineveh and uh, he begins to preach in verse four. And his message was not a a, a three point sermon like you think uh, about eight words, eight words. Uh, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now, I don't know if he had other words in there or not, but he, it's just destruction was pronounced. Destruction was pronounced. The city will be overthrown. Their wickedness has come up to God and the cup of wickedness was full and yet 40 days and Nineveh, Nineveh will be destroyed. So Jonah walked around just crying that out. Uh, through the city, that was God's message for him to preach. So it says the people of Nineveh believed God in verse 5. Now, it'd be nice to have a little more details on how all of that went, but that's what we find here. One of the 
greatest revivals that has ever happened before. Nothing ever happened like it before and nothing ever like it after has happened before. A hundred percent of them, you know, Billy Graham was known to be very successful and he would have been very, uh, uh, he never had anything close to this, never. And this is God's assessment of their sincerity. He relented of that, of uh, the, the uh, destruction that was coming. So God saw their sincerity. The people believed from the greatest to the least. And a king told them to put on sackcloth. He did it first, put on sackcloth and sat in ashes. It was a public display of mourning. And he proclaimed a fast, man and beast. Why would the beast be included in this fast and, this, and they're putting on sackcloth and ashes? I believe it was to uh, showing the urgency that they were, they were seeking mercy and letting God know they were serious. They believed God. And the king also, in verse 8 there, says to turn away from evil and violence. This was not just believing God, but it was turning away from the evil and the violence. And that's what God was judging them for. And then he says, maybe God will repent and turn from his fierce anger. This is the king thinking, maybe we we'll perish not. You know, Jer- jo- Jonah's message gave them little hope. The only hope in Jonah's message was yet 40 days. They had 40 days to do something about it. But uh, uh, and, God, and the king says, just maybe, maybe the king, the, the God will relent. And God saw their works. It was for real. They were sincere. And he relented of the punishment that was coming. And then we get to chapter 4. Now, chapter 4, we see uh, it displeased the Jonah. In chapter 4, it says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying, when I was yet in my country, therefore I fled before thee, uh, before unto Tarshish. I knew that thou art a gracious God, and a merciful, and slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentance of the evil. Therefore now, I, O Lord, take, I beseech thee my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, Dost thou well be to be angry? So Jonah went outside the city and sat on the east side of the city and made a booth and sat under it in the shadow that he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it grow, come up over Jonah that it might shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceedingly glad of the gourd. But God prepared a worm. When the next morning rose, the next day, it, it, it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise, God prepared a vehement east wind. And the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and he wished in himself to die and said, it'd be better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Dost thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. And then said the Lord, Thou hast pity on the gourd, for which thou hast not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night, and perished in a night. And should I not spare Nineveh, that great city, which are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also cattle? So here we see... uh, God is uh, graciously giving him an object lesson, an object lesson. You know, we could say, uh, 
You know, Jonah was displeased with the, uh, with the uh, revival that took place. He didn't like it. We could ask, why? Why? You know, any, any, any evangelist would, have, would, would, would love that story. The whole city repented. Any missionary would love that kind of story like that, you know, uh, to tell a story where they had so many people accepted Christ. And, and, uh, but Jonah was displeased. Why? He was prejudiced. He, was pri- he had pride that came out and prejudiced. He didn't want to see them spared. He wanted them destroyed. He would have liked to be Nahum, which 150 years later gave them their destruction, their final blow. But instead, he, uh, in going back and giving a good report on the revival, uh, he sits outside the city, and he wants to get a front row seat to see what happens. Maybe he's thinking, maybe their repentance isn't for real. And uh, so, but God here graciously gives him an object lesson. Here we see why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. He didn't want to see them uh, saved. He didn't want to have them experience God's mercy. But God is full of mercy. That's who he is. Psalms 145 verse 8 says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. That's who he is. And uh, Jonah even acknowledges that. But he says his, his mercy endureth forever. It's unlimited. It has no boundaries. It's not just for Israel. But Jonah did not want any of them to be in heaven. He wanted, he, uh, he was prejudiced. He felt superior. He says, I knew you were a gracious God. You know, I knew you would let them off. Better to, for me to die than to live. This is the second time he's asking to die. And then he goes outside the city, and he's like the older brother in the uh, prodigal son story. You know, first he's like the, the prodigal running away, and uh, the prodigal runs away, and then he, he uh, spent, lives a uh, riotous living, and then he's eating the pig's food that, that the pigs are eating, and he comes to his senses. And Jonah is like that. He ran from God, and uh, in the belly of the whale, he comes out, and he comes, comes to his senses. But now he's like the older brother. He's a... Uh, He's, he couldn't stand it to see dad extending his love and kindness to the, the prodigal who didn't deserve it. And Jonah has that attitude. He couldn't stand it to see the Ninevites receiving God's mercy. Why? Because he had a superior attitude. He had a superior attitude. The Ninevites don't deserve it. He was prejudiced. He had a wrong attitude towards the Gentiles. Instead of wanting them to help to find the true and faithful and living God, he abandoned them into their darkness and spiritual death. Better that Nineveh be destroyed than the Assyrians live and attack Israel. And God comes to him and says, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah. And inside Jonah is saying, yes, I have a right to be angry. And, uh, and you could see his hatreds towards them. It's because of his feelings towards them. As far as he's concerned, they don't deserve any, and, uh, any mercy. The Ninevites don't deserve it. And God gives him an object lesson. You know, it's just interesting to see how God so graciously deals with Jonah. Jonah's camped out beside the city, and, uh, and he's just waiting to see what will become of the city. And he's waiting for maybe fire to fall or whatever. And God prepares a gourd. It says, God prepares a gourd for shade, and he's happy. 
he's happy. This is one of the only times he's happy. And uh, then God prepares a worm. And this is God's, God prepares a worm and eats at the roots and the, and the, and the, uh, the gourd died, dried up. And then he was miserable. And then Jonah's miserable. And then God prepared a strong east wind, a hot wind. And then he wanted to die. He said this is the third time he wants to die. It's better to die than to live. So, and then God gets his attention. He said, said, do you have the right to be angry for this gourd? And he says, yes. He's acting like he's pitying this plant. And then God uh, says, you have pity on this gourd that you did nothing for, did nothing for to make it grow up, to come up overnight. You pity that plant. Jonah, should I not pity Nineveh? And spare that city. I labored for that city. God says to Noah, I made it grow. To Noah, uh, Jonah, I made it grow. Shouldn't I have pity in those 120,000 children in that city and cattle? Should I not be angry with all that, the, the great wickedness that came up? And, and you get angry. Jonah, you get angry over a gourd that's not giving you shade. Jonah, your heart's not right, God's saying to him. You care more about this shade. You care more about your personal comfort than saved souls. See, Jonah, God is working in Jonah's heart again. The object lesson here is helping Jonah to spiritually mature. To, and you, we could ask the question, why is God still using Jonah? Well, he's helping. He wants him to be spiritually mature. Why is God still working through me? He wants me to be spiritually mature. He works through... Uh, his servants in that way. <clears throat> and that's where the book ends. We don't have the answer. That's where the book ends. We don't know Jonah's answer. I believe, I suspect that God's object lesson worked and that Jonah, because I, I believe he wrote it down for us to read. So I believe that it did bring about change in his heart when he was prejudiced. Now, quickly, let's go to Matthew chapter 12 and look at the sign of Jonah. Jesus quotes Jonah as a sign of Jonah. Matthew 12 and verse 38. Here's the setting here. The scribes and Pharisees, they just saw... uh, the miracles that Jesus did. Well, let me read. Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered, uh, and he, but he answered and said unto them, An evil and an adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. But there is no sign be given to you but the sign of Jonah, but the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, our greater than Jonah is here. The scribes and Pharisees here wanted a sign. Now, they just saw Jesus perform miracles. He healed a dumb man and a, and a, a blind man, and uh, they saw that. Now they're asking for another sign. And Jesus said, an evil generation seeketh after a sign. He's like basically calling them evil. And then Jesus turns around and gives them another sign, another reason to reject him. And here's the sign. 
Here's another sign. Just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And then at the end of that, he says, Behold, a greater than Jonah is here. He's speaking of himself. So when Jonah came out of the belly, he went and preached to Nineveh and brought about the repentance in Nineveh. Like we talked about, there's no other greater revival. But Jesus, when, when the Son of Man comes out of the earth, when Jesus comes out of the earth, the grave, far larger results will, from Christ's finished work on the cross will be than Jonah's. A greater than Jonah is here. He's talking about himself. But they largely rejected him. They started asking for a sign. And here he says, then it says in verse 41, Jesus said, the city of Nineveh will rise up in judgment. It will be an example because Nineveh repented. And he's basically pointing and says, and you didn't. Nineveh repented. They're used, he's bringing them up as an example. Uh, th that would shame, that should, should have shamed the scribes and Pharisees. Their example will rise up. This example will rise up in, against them in judgment. I believe it did in, in, in Jesus' day. He talks about that, that generation and I believe it was another opportunity for them to reject him, another sign. But I believe it also would have shamed Israel in the day of Jonah. That, in that day, it was only 20 years later, 20, 30 years later, that the northern kingdom was taken captivity. So it, it talks about Nineveh turning from their evil, and Israel, we know that they were, went down, down, and God brought judgment on them. So what did we learn in the book of Jonah? Well, there's a lot of, there's, it's more than a story about Jonah. I believe it's a lot about Jonah's God. It's, uh, Jonah, God is mentioned over 30 times in the book of Jonah. God hurled the storm. God prepared a fish. God swallows up Jonah. God kept Jonah alive. God vomits him out at the right time, at the right place. God calms the sea. God prepares the gourd. God prepares the worm. God prepares the hot wind. It's about God. You know, God pursued Jonah. He, hears, he heard Jonah's prayer. God's will was accomplished when he went and preached to Nineveh, and God graciously helped Jonah's attitude. God graciously helped Jonah's attitude. There's a lot of appointments here that God did. If we take God out of the story, we don't have much. It's a story about God's tremendous love for all people not just Israel. You know, Book of Jonah could be called the Acts of the Old Testament because it demonstrates how God is willing to have mercy on all who seek him. Mercy on all. Salvation is available to all, to whosoever will. No one is excluded. You know, it's also about the reluctant prophet. We have a lot of things we can learn. This reluctant prophet had an attitude. You know, God is not limited. We see in this story, God is not limited by our prejudices and our pride. God works. But we see here with all these appointments, God is very gracious with his servant Jonah. Jonah. Why did God continue pursuing Jonah? He was helping him mature spiritually. So God is interested in the souls of Nineveh. God is interested in the souls everywhere all times and he's also interested in the spiritual maturity of his servants shall we pray <clears throat> heavenly father we thank you for your goodness and love thank you for
the story of Jonah that you saw fit to record. We see that it's uh, a lot of appointments that you have so graciously worked with Jonah to bring him to the place to be in your will. Lord, we uh, help us to be there. Father, we thank you that you're gracious with us and that you're long-suffering, that you're kind and merciful. And we realize and, and know that that doesn't change. It's the same today. So may the lessons from Jonah be applied to our lives, however you have uh, shown it to us. We pray this in Jesus' worthy name. Amen. <laughs>